Every single podcaster wants to find and attract their audience. In this episode of Podcastification, I'm talking with Tommy Walker, a content marketing strategist, about how to do it. My name is Carrie Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more Podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our Podcast Optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Tommy Walker. Tommy is one of those guys I connected with a few years back. When I was putting together a compilation set of books called Entrepreneur Mind Hacks, uh, if you're interested in having a copy of that, let me know and I can point you in the right direction. But Tommy is a guy who for his young age is very accomplished in the things he's done. He was head editor at Conversion XL for about a year or a little more than a year. Actually, he was content writer at Unbounce. He was editor in chief at Shopify Plus. Uh, this guy's done a whole lot, and now he is global editor-in-chief for QuickBooks Resource Center. So you can see Tommy really has some credentials when it comes to the kind of thing he does. And a big part of why Tommy's on this episode is because he is an expert at content marketing, which means getting your content out to the audience that would truly be interested in it. And that's what all of us podcasters want. So I'm going to quit babbling and just let you hear from Tommy. Tommy Walker, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad, Kerry. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you're up in Maine, is that correct? Uh, I actually work out of Dover, New Hampshire, but live in Maine, uh, and it's beautiful right now. Oh, I bet it is. Is it what they call Indian summer, or are we still in summer? I don't know. Uh, we're, we're still in summer, but um, we're starting to get towards the end, and I'm really looking forward to the leaves changing. Yeah, I'm sure it's gorgeous up there. You get all kinds of red and golds and all kinds of beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from Colorado. Most of what we see here is is the gold. We don't see the red. So uh, one of these <laughs> days, my wife and I are going to get up there and uh, check it out. This is August of 2018 for anyone who's listening, just so you have a little bit of reference, because Tommy and I are going to be talking about content marketing and how to find a target market. And for podcasters, that's our audience. That's who we're trying to get is our listening audience. And uh, we're going to apply some of what Tommy's learned in content marketing to podcasting so that we can actually do a better job. But first of all, Tommy, I want to hear just a little bit of your backstory. How did you decide and at what point did you decide to get into content marketing and, and that kind of thing? That's a long story. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. So I actually was a career actor for about 10 years. I moved out of acting. I, I went to Manhattan for conservatory work. And um, after I graduated from conservatory, I had moved back home. And basically, I was 19. I knew everything. Moved home, got kicked out of my house, uh, and then worked at a gas station and had this really great attitude about, you know, 
Everybody needs gas, so it's a perfect networking opportunity. Got recruited into a tech startup in the area. Flash forward a few years, ended up running my own consulting practice. And the reason I even got into content marketing, specifically writing articles and things like that, was because um, I had a client that failed to pay on time multiple months in a row, and I ended up having to take on writing work just to pay the bills. And as a result of that, I was only getting paid like $200 an article. So I built up this really prolific body of work in a very short period of time. And then from there, got recruited into a company called Shopify. You may have heard of them. And then from there, moved over to QuickBooks. Uh, I was at Conversion XL. So I started at Conversion XL, went to Shopify, and then QuickBooks after that. That's pretty much my story in the shortest I've ever told it, I think. Well, I'm very impressed, uh, not only with the shortness of the story, but also just with the names. Those are some big names of some pretty prominent companies. It's got to be a testament to the quality of work that you do, which is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Now, just for the listeners' sake, I want to let you know, part of why I thought to invite Tommy on the podcast is because I was doing a little research myself on finding your target market, finding your audience. And I came across an article that Tommy wrote, and it actually, the last time it was updated was just a few days ago, August 9th of 2018. And it's on the website crazyegg.com. And here's the title of the article. It's how to find your target market so content sticks. I just thought that was a perfect title. And then when you hear the first few sentences, you'll understand why Tommy's on the show. He writes this. He says, you hear it all the time. Learn how to find your target market and create interesting content. But there's a severe lack of useful material on identifying and deconstructing target markets to create sustainable online content campaigns. And in my view, Tommy, a podcast is exactly that. It's a sustainable online content campaign. You're trying to get in front of people over and over and over in episodic nature. So I'm really eager to dig into this. And let me ask you if you have the same feeling that I do, that there are a lot of people out there that kind of have the, the attitude that if they publish something, the audience is just going to find it and is just going to show up. And I get that feeling from podcasters. Would you agree mm -hmm. with that just in general? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not just podcasters. It's, um, it's podcasters, it's authors, it's anybody who creates content on the web. And why do you think that is? What is it about us that's so naive? It's not about being naive, really. It's just this myth that was proliferated after a while. It was this build it and they can come. And I think a lot of that, this is when I got my start was like really getting started was back in 2009. There was this idea because of the recession that was going on that there was this huge boom in people creating content and, you know, getting Facebook famous and you know, MySpace famous before that. And this idea of create it and they will come as long as you create good quality stuff was really proliferated, I think, around that 2009 mark. And it really, I think, did a huge disservice to the space and anybody who was looking to get into it, primarily because you can have good content, yes, and, and it will carry itself. But if you're not getting in front of the right people, if you're not creating for the right people in the first place, and if you don't have some sort of situational awareness of what's going on in that space or what else is being created for those people, one, there's very little chance that you're going to be able to promote well. And two, it's really hard to stand out specifically because you end up sounding like everybody else who's trying to be in your space. Yeah, which I definitely think is a danger in podcasting. 
Uh, it seems like the go-to is the interview type format. And so many people have been successful with kind of a formulaic approach of the same questions for every guest, et cetera, that too many people are copying that. To me, podcasting is just becoming a blur of noise because of that. Mm-hmm. So I really want to dig into this with you. How can we go about finding the audience we're aiming for? Now, I realize we have a lot of different niches we're talking about when it comes to podcasting. Some podcasters are looking to monetize. Others are just doing for a hobby. But nevertheless, we all want to find our audience. And one of the lines in your piece here that I read says, you'd be lying if I said this type of research is easy. It's anything but. A lot of marketers skip it or phone it in because it can be very time consuming. And then skipping on down, it says, the truth is there's such a wealth of information about your target market analysis that once you understand how to tap it, analyze it, and create for it, it's difficult not to create content that sticks. Now, I want you to unpack that for me. First of all, where is all this information about our target market? How do we go about it? <laughs> it's everywhere, man. It's all around you. And, and it's funny. I actually wrote this article back in 2015. So uh, revisiting it is a lot of fun. The main thing that, you know, coming from an entertainment background beforehand, the, the main thing that I try to look at first when it comes to content generation, especially in a format like podcasting, is what else are people watching? So I hear this a lot just being in the space that I've been for a while. People say, well, who's your market? And it's small business owners, right? You just hear small business owners a lot in the marketing space. And it's like, well, okay, cool. But are these 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old small business owners, right, who are running their own thing, maybe on the side? Or, you know, we hear stories all the time now of like 17-year-olds building apps and teams that are crazy huge over a short period of time? Or is this like a 45 to 50 year old small business owner who's been doing this for a while and is trying to wrap their head around all of the online stuff, right? And just trying to keep a hold of what's been going on there. So I really try to start with just that, right? Narrowing in on that particular part of the audience. And this is all more of a thought experiment. But then moving on from there, okay, if we know that it's a 40 to 50 year old small business owner, what kind of media did they grow up with, right? What did they watch? What are their references? What are they into now? And then you can start looking at things like Nielsen data, for example, and find out what shows are hot. You can start looking at different podcasts that are targeting that particular group of people and start hearing what's going on around there. You can do things like looking Google Trends to find out, you know, you type in a few of your major keywords in Google Trends and then find the sort of geographies where people are situated at. Take it a step further and go to citystateinfo.com and see what those geographies are like. Take it a step further than that and go to Google Maps and see what the local area starts to look like. And you can get a sense of like, is this really a small business Main Street community or is this like a tech campus? And really with all of that, this is sort of the work that goes into building the content itself. And then once you have that information, if you're doing things like advertising, right, which I understand is people are on tight budgets usually, but it gives you an idea of where you can start placing those ads, right? Or you can go to Facebook that might have some local groups that are around those same subjects. Say you're really into vintage cars and you have this vintage car podcast. Well, what are the areas in the country, right? Like we've got uh, a vintage in sports car club that's, you know, in the next town over, right? How can we start to integrate ourselves with those communities 
And then from there, very subtly say, hey, I got a podcast on this stuff. Maybe you'd like to come on. Uh, in a lot of cases, people will start to build that network out. When you get that network effect, it's really because you're trying to tap into that community and reach out and say, hey, I really like what you have going on. You and I could have a really decent conversation about this. What do you say? And then from there, you have a really good conversation like you and I, and then they go, oh, yeah, cool. And then they share it and share it and share it. But what a lot of people think based on that myth that I was talking about from 2009 is that you create good content and then people are going to share it. Mm, yes and no. If you have the right people that you're creating content with and getting it out to those groups that you've identified by doing a ton of that research, then yes. And even then, maybe. Yeah, I can totally understand that because I see lots of great content every day. And I think most listeners probably would agree with this. We see lots of great content every day, but how many of those do we actually share? You know, right. maybe 10%. And there's something different or compelling about those, I guess, or maybe we're just in a particular frame of mind or had the right thing to eat, or I don't know what it is that causes us to share things. But <laughs> it's definitely not true that just because it's good, someone's going to share it. I would say 10% is even generous too. Like, you know, I share maybe 0.5% of the stuff I come across. Maybe I'm jaded because of my, my job, but I'm harder pressed because I consume a lot to want to share stuff out. Yeah, that makes sense to me given what you do. Let's take that example you gave about the about the car podcast, okay? Someone's mm -hmm. into classic cars or they're into hot running cars or something like that. Let's dig into that as a case study. And if you, listener, are podcasting for business women, translate this into your niche. If you're podcasting for, you know, Dungeons and Dragons players, you know, translate this into your niche. So we're going to take that classic car sort of a show and tell me how is that person going to discover demographics about their particular audience. I mean, they could do it by their own interest and who's in their local club, but I have a suspicion there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny. You actually, I'm going to go back. You said d and I'm actually playing a d and game tonight. So that's really exciting. <laughs> I know that one of my listeners has a D&D podcast. So uh, that's the reason I brought it up. Go ahead. That's awesome. You'll have to share it with me afterwards. This is how it goes, right? I'll go back to my when I very first started, because I think this is relevant and it's a way that I can tie it to uh, something that's a little bit more tangible. When I first started coming from an acting background, I had said, okay, I want to create content. I had gotten this client that was a Mexican restaurant, right? And the thing was, is we could have very easily said at that point, okay, cool. Who likes Mexican food? Now that's really broad. A lot of people like Mexican food, but what we started doing when we talked to the people and the customers that we wanted to talk to is they were families, right? They were into Disney movies. They were into baseball and Little League and things like that. And that starts to build a profile of what's going on in their world. And that's just through conversation. And this could be if you're doing a car podcast, for example, and I have to preface this, I know very little about cars, so I'm just throwing this stuff out here. If you're having those conversations, say with a local car club and find out the things that people are talking about, you can then take that information and start to find those keywords on, say, maybe Twitter, right? Or look at those Facebook groups that are out there that are around those similar subjects. And what I try to do and what I did back then was I saw what the conversation was that was happening in those places. And then I tried to kind of read between the lines of what people were saying, not just when they were on that particular Twitter hashtag or within that group, 
but really try to get a sense of what else are they talking about? What else are they into? And that helped me find these different places where I could reach those particular people that I wanted to be in my audience. To go back to the Mexican restaurant example, by doing that, we built out, and this was back when Facebook pages were first brand new, we went from zero to 145,000 people within the span of a month because we were able to identify those different demographics based on just sort of media interests. You could take it a step further, going back to what I was saying before, you know, what TV shows are people 25 to 35 watching right now? What are they into? What's hot? And then you start inserting yourself into those conversations and finding out what's going on over there. So your D&D podcast guy, for example, when Game of Thrones is on, that might be a super hot time. Or you could look at Critical Role, right, which is another really big D&D show that's on YouTube, and start looking at where are other what they call critters, where else are they spending their time? And you could even do something like go to geekandsundry.com, type that geekandsundry.com and put it into similar web and start finding those websites that are similar to that and try to start piggybacking off of their success, right? So there's a number of different ways. And once you're able to build up, this is what I try to do is I build up a spreadsheet of all of these different areas and then either find the main contacts from those places. And then either, you know, in my case, it was do a guest post in a podcaster's case, it might be an embed, you know, and just build a relationship with those people. And the way that I look at say my stuff, right. When I was doing prolific guest posting is I didn't look at it as this thing that I thought was going to do all the work for me. It was more of a handshake that allowed me to build a relationship and do more over time with this particular, whatever that outlet was. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. So you're, you're trying to find the, in this case, media content that people are consuming who are interested in the subjects mm-hmm. that you're talking about. And then you're going to those communities, going to those places and just becoming a part of it. You're not Mm -hmm. jumping in and being that guy on social media who says, hey, I have a podcast. Did you know I have a podcast? Listen to my podcast. Here's my podcast. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy. You want to be the one who gets in and is generous and is a complimentary of people. And in time, when it's appropriate, you bring it up. Part of that is connecting in a personal way with the people who run that community. And here's something that's a little overlooked here, Carrie, is that When you find somebody interesting in a group, right, no matter what group it is that's out there, you click through and you check out their profile. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've discovered and like that they've done additional extra cool work by just going, hey, I really like what this person says in this particular venue. What else are they doing? And then you find out, oh, they've got this podcast. Let me check that out. It's just natural human curiosity in that case. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Now, Tommy, this sounds like a lot of time and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that answer. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, it is. And what would you say to the, uh, you know, maybe a side hustle podcaster or a hobbyist podcaster who's saying, you know, I work my nine to five job and then I do this, you know, from, from 830 to, to midnight every evening. How in the world am I going to have time to do all this social media stuff? What would you say to them? I would say that as long as you keep a spreadsheet, right, this is the main thing when it comes to this particular strategy and this idea behind all of this. As long as you're keeping a spreadsheet, you're really able to keep yourself focused. And that's kind of the main thing that I found is that, you know, when somebody says I do social media, it's like, well, I start throwing things out there into the ether on Twitter, right? 
or, you know, I go and willy nilly interact with groups whenever I can think of it. But if you're able to keep that spreadsheet, you can start to really focus in on those particular areas. And then it's kind of the 80-20 rule, right? 20% of the thing gets 80% of the results. If you're zeroing in on those areas, you know, take an hour to interact in a group on Facebook or a subreddit or something like that and really just hone in on that. And then from there, you get really targeted results that way. And then hopefully, if the content is also based on if you're incorporating some of that other research into the content you're creating, it will carry itself a little bit further and a little bit further. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, Tommy, do you have an example of one of these spreadsheets that you could share with me and I could include in the show notes? I've got something I can share with you. Okay, that'd be great. I think that'd be incredibly helpful to people just to kind of see the bones of it and see yep. you know, exactly what sort of things am I tracking and how am I tracking it and, and that kind of thing. I think it'd be very helpful. We're going to go into our, our mid-roll break here for a second, but when we come back, I want to dig a little more deeply into this article. You covered it in kind of two parts. You said there was a part about how to find your target market using basic demographics, which is some of what we've been talking about. And then the second part, uh, you began talking about setting up a targeting profile and psychographics. Boy, that sounds fun. Uh, so we're going to get into all that when we return from this break. One of the reasons I enjoy having experts like Tommy on the show is because they've been doing what they do for so long with such skill and, you know, a growing sense of skill as they learn and grow in the process that when they come on the show, they just have so much to share. I mean, you can hear that in the way that Tommy is sharing the things that he is. And as a podcaster, I mean, that learning curve is happening all the time for us, right? I mean, we're always learning how to better do our editing, how to better present the format of our show, how to better appeal to our audience, which Tommy and I are actually going to talk about a little bit here in the end of the podcast. But how do you actually learn those things in a way that's beneficial? I mean, you can try to make assessments on your own, which goes a little ways because you obviously see things you can improve on and feel good about things and don't feel good about other things. But it's also helpful to get an outside perspective. It's helpful to have someone who's more experienced than you come in and assess what you're doing. I just wanted to make you aware. I'm doing that as a part of Podcast Fast Track, podcast assessment and consulting, coming alongside podcasters who are already publishing and already putting out great content but helping them kind of assess what's going on with their show in terms of their reach they're having in their particular niche, the way they're formatting their show, their technical pieces. I mean, whatever it is you feel you would like assessment on, I can step in, we can listen to a good episode of your show and then kind of critique it together. And I can give you suggestions, advice, things that you could do to ramp up what you're already doing well. It's podcast assessment. You can just reach out to me if you want to talk about it. Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at podcastfasttrack.com. And mention this episode with Tommy, and I'll give you 15% off my normal pricing. Thanks so much for hanging around. Uh, we are back with Tommy Walker, and um, we are discussing this whole idea of finding your target market, which for us podcasters means our listeners, because there's people that are interested in your show that are not interested in mine and, and there's differences. The first thing we've kind of been talking about is, is demographics and, and who are these people and what are they like? And we've talked so far mainly about using their media selections and media preferences to become part of communities that they are a part of. 
and we can begin those kinds of connections uh, with people, not only the, the average person, but the person who also is an influencer in that realm. So Tommy, other than going into Facebook and searching for communities around topics that we think our core audience would be involved in, what are some other options, other ways we can find these people? You can do guest posts on relevant websites. You're able to do advertising if you've got a small amount of budget to spend there. It's just a matter of like talking to people. Like I find that talking to people in general and saying, hey, who else do you know might be into this, right? I mean, that really can go a long way, right? Like I, like I told you, I'm playing D&D tonight, right? And that means I've got five other people who I'm playing with tonight who I might recommend if I like the podcast. I might recommend it to because we all watch this other show and it depends on how deep we want to get into it. You know, if this is something that you're really, truly passionate about and something like if somebody's listening to a D&D podcast, they've got to be passionate about it because it already takes you three hours to play the game. <laughs> yeah. That sort of recommendation goes a lot further if someone says, hey, I really like this thing. It's something we have in common. Maybe you'll like it, too. That's how I discovered Critical Role, for example. Mm. And now I'm like 36 episodes in, which 36 on an average of three hours a piece. I'm spending a lot of time on that show. Yeah. Yeah. All because someone recommended it. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody I trust. I mean, you know, an old friend. So. Yeah. So when a person is trying to figure out uh, exactly who are these people who listen to my show or, or would be interested in my show and are trying to determine, let's say, call it an avatar or a listener profile. Uh, what are the, some of the important things they want to include in that? It all goes back to the media profile for me still, but it's thinking about it in a very different kind of way. So the idea of, I'm just going to keep latching onto this D&D podcast because my game's in an hour and I'm very excited, is that if somebody's into something like D&D, well, they might also be into Game of Thrones. That's one thing that's a little bit more of a direct correlation. The other thing might be, well, if they're doing something that's a little bit more traditionally nerdy, well, where else might they buy, right? They might buy stuff from ThinkGeek, right? And you start to extrapolate like that and go, okay, well, what are the different things that people are being exposed to? And I don't know if I'm being redundant here based on the other stuff that I was saying before, but what else are they being exposed to and what else are they seeking out that's very similar along these lines. And then how can I incorporate these things, right? Just some of these things. And if you find that, you know, there are different personalities within those areas, what's the A tier? What's the B tier? What's the C tier? And how are you able to like connect with those people and get them on, right? Now you're tapping into another audience, but you're also starting to embody that psychographic a little bit more to really speak to someone's inner brain, right? That's really what we're doing with podcasts anyways, right? You're, you're literally in between someone's ears. So how are you able to really carve out a spot for yourself based on everything else that you know about them? Yeah, that is great. And to your point there, um, I mentioned to a potential client one time that one of my clients gets 13,000 downloads per episode. Wow. His remark was, that's not a podcast, that's brain control. Yeah. And that's exactly the point you're making. You're having such an influence on so many people. It really is an amazing thing when it gets to that level. Okay. So we've mentioned a few times this issue of psychographics and it sounds all, you know, psychoanalytical and crazy in a way, but it's really a simple concept. Why don't you tell us, first of all, what the concept is and then why it matters for a podcaster? So psychographics is really just about understanding how the person you're talking to thinks, 
right? How are you communicating with a person? How do they think? What are their values, ideals, like we were saying before? And what gets them laughing? Here's something that's interesting, right? Is what's funny, right? What's funny to you might be something that's very different than what's funny to me. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one that I try to go back to when I talk to people about, you know, brand character, for example, is what's funny, what's disgusting, what's angering, what will get people outraged. And you see outrage in the news all the time. News, I'm going to pick on news for a second there. Some people get outraged by what's going on on the right. Some people get outraged on what's going on on the left. People are able to build on that outrage and and continue to have that conversation. So that's really those things is like, how can you identify those core emotions that someone might have, right? What's fun, what's playful, what's desirable, and then really start to dig into that when you start having those conversations, going back to that, understanding how people think, and then taking that and building out sort of this avatar and this profile for what you are, right? A lot of people who do podcasting, for example, aren't, it's, it's a character, right? And that's what you're doing. You're trying to build a character and that's it. Yeah, that's interesting. So your psychographics are going to help you know not only what the person thinks, feels, believes, but also how to speak to them. What are the terms that they're going to gravitate toward and actually embrace? What are the concepts that they're going to resonate with and find interesting? Because, you know, the last thing any of us want to be is boring in our podcast. Right. And boring is going to be defined dependent on who our audience is. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, absolutely. Mark Maron, right? Great podcaster. His brand of comedy is only for a certain type of person. Or maybe not. Maybe he speaks to the cynical side of all of us, right? But that's his sort of, that's his shtick is he's very cynical. So when you're trying to figure out what sort of emotion you're trying to put your flag in, you really have to understand the rest of that. What are other people kind of thinking? Yeah, that totally makes sense because you can't speak the same way to a conservative right fundamentalist as you would a liberal pro-life person. It just wouldn't work. So understanding your audience kind of dictates how you're going to speak to them. I I love that. I'm going to riff on this a little bit more, Carrie. I'm sorry, because it just occurred to me. Go ahead. Seinfeld, right? Seinfeld was such a popular show back in its day, not because of the brand of comedy itself, but they took everyday situations and then sort of extrapolated from there. So my favorite is the no double dipping, right? You can't double dip. Who double dips? You know, yeah. you can't do that. And that's something that we've all thought at one point or another. And that's just like, it's that mundane aspect of your life that now becomes something that's really funny when you put a spotlight on it and sort of do that. I was listening to something recently and they said they didn't have punchlines in Seinfeld. They just had like a lot of characters that like, compared to other comedy at the time. And a lot of characters will have their catchphrases and things like that. They didn't do that. In a lot of cases, no double dipping, yada, 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 Festivus, all of that stuff was usually contained to a single episode, but because it was so memorable and people could identify it with so much, it sort of resonated through pop culture to this day. Yeah. And that's power. Yeah, that is power. And it's all based on knowing the audience you know, knowing that they are going to resonate with that kind of an approach. That's a very good example. I love that, Tommy. As we wrap up here, just thinking about what you know of podcasting and what you've seen various podcasters do to promote their shows, 
what could you give me in terms of things you see podcasters doing badly and then things you see them doing well at in terms of promoting or marketing their episodes? It depends on the podcaster. I know that there are some really solid communities. I was on Entrepreneur on Fire a long time ago. And I think what John Lee DeMoss has done really well in that time is really cultivated this sense of community. And I think that a lot of podcasters that are just starting out, I don't see that sort of cultivating a community. I see a lot of, well, hey, I'm just going to say what I want to say into the microphone and then you can take it or leave it. But the ones that I've seen, you know, Fire Nation or, you know, in the case of a YouTube show, and I think YouTubers are a great place to emulate as well, critters for critical role. And you see this sense of community that's being built around these subjects. And I think that it's sort of, that's both the good and the bad. I think the the really good ones are building up the sense of community and the bad ones or could be done better ones would be sort of not having that sense of community as well. Yeah, absolutely. I see the the importance of that. And for the listeners, if you did not hear episode 115 with Bella Vasta, uh, you need to go back and hear that at podcastfasttrack.com slash 115. Uh, Bella was sharing about building community through Facebook groups, and she's just been tremendously successful at this. She emphasizes the community aspect being such a powerful thing. So I appreciate you saying that, Tommy. Well, what else should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? I'm sure there's there's tons you could talk about when it comes to finding your audience and creating content specifically for them. But what are some key nuggets that if a listener doesn't get anything else out of this conversation, what is it they should know? One of the best things, and I said this in the article, is read up on how actors analyze scripts. Actors explain analyzing scripts more clearly than marketers ever talk about analyzing markets, and they're both very similar techniques. Getting into script analysis, and this is one of the things that I've always found fascinating, is there's a subtext. There's always a subtext. And, you know, one of the things that I've kind of come across multiple times and when I've been doing my writing research and my acting research is people never say what they're saying, right? If you say what you're saying, then you're dead. There's always a reason why somebody says that. There's always a subtext. There's always an internal dialogue that's happening. And if you really get into that script analysis aspect, you can do, and I've had to do this multiple times in in my acting career, is you actually write a second script that's happening behind the lines and find out how these characters are interacting with each other. And that's the exact same thing that people in target markets are doing. The other thing I want to sort of talk about when it comes to the sharing aspect of this is that when somebody shares your stuff, it's not because they think you're great. They're sharing it because it's an extension of themselves. I buy certain clothes because it is an extension of myself. I'll listen to music that I really like, but I'll share different types of music with people because it's very personal to me. And a lot of the stuff that we share is social capital more than anything else. So that's the kind of thing I want to keep in mind. What do you mean by social capital? Define that for me. For example, I might share something on Reddit to make me look funny. I might share an article within my Slack group to make me look smart, uh, with my coworkers to make me look a little bit smarter. I might share some information about cars with my best friend because I want him to think that I know something I don't really know. There's this idea that by putting stuff out there to the world, everything you share is some sort of representation of yourself. 
And that not just applies to podcasting and online and social media and all of that stuff. It also applies to real life. Somebody who shares a lot about themselves with you, you might consider, you know, either they're oversharing or you might consider yourself really close with that person. But somebody who doesn't share anything about themselves, you just think they're close off. I like that concept. Now, tell me, how does knowing that, that the people who share your content are actually doing so because it says something about them, how does that knowledge help us in deciding what it is we're going to share or maybe how we're going to share it? That's a great question. It really then it comes back down to packaging. I have a tendency to ramble a lot. And I told you that before we started recording. And I think that's been made very apparent here. <laughs> the idea is that if you, if you can package things up in a concise and shareable way, you can still get your thoughts and concepts out there. But if you're doing the psychographic research, you're doing, you know, the demographic research, you're doing all of that sort of additional research before that. If you're able to package it in a certain way, then you're delivering your message in a way that people are going to receive well. And then you're not just words on a page or a transcript, right? You're getting off of the page and into someone's head. And I think that's really what that comes down to. Sure. Which is really what all of us are trying to do with our podcasts. We're trying to influence people in a positive direction in whatever genre or niche it is that we're speaking about. Well, Tommy, if some of the listeners want to reach out to you and uh, find out more about what you're doing and some of the things that you've created in the past, what's the best way for them to do that? My Twitter profile is Tommy is my name. And I will say this, I am actually the antithesis of what I just said. Most of my stuff is auto tweets at this point. I don't share a lot about myself or my work anymore. Yeah, I know there was a day when you were doing that a lot more when you were consulting and that sort of thing. But now tell us a little bit about your role with QuickBooks now. What is it that uh, you've taken on there? It's actually changed and evolved very recently, but I am the global editor-in-chief of the QuickBooks Resource Center. We do a lot of small business type advice. And what the global position is, is I'm part of a team that is talking about the global direction of our content that goes out on the Resource Center which is amazing because we're being, my team has just gone from speaking to US only to now going out to Canada, England, Australia, and we're distributing this stuff across the world, which is mind blowing and incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. Well, congratulations on the new role there. Thank you. I certainly appreciate your time today, Tommy. Wow. Tommy, you can tell he's just got so much bubbling in his brain. It's hard to even get it out at times, but man, he really knows his stuff. A couple of takeaways that I understood there that I wanted to just highlight is, first of all, that whole thing about using media and media habits of those who are listening to your show to kind of track them down in other places or track down people who are like them in other places so that you can engage in the conversations they're already having. It takes kind of some brain work on your own part of figuring out what do people who are interested in my topic also show interest in, and then going to those places, whether it's physical locations or Facebook groups or things like that, and getting involved in the conversation and listening to what people are talking about. And then a point as a part of that that he brought out was when you notice someone in that community who is engaging, who seems to be an influencer, who seems to be someone who knows what they're talking about related to the subjects that you deal with, click on their profile, ask them questions, find out more about them. Because you never know when you connect with those people exactly what's going to come of that. And it's the word of mouth suggestions and 
recommendations that really go far. Tommy made a great point of that. And then that whole thing about psychographics, you know, it's a weird word, but psychographics, it basically just means understanding the psyche of the people who listen to your show. Do they tend to be uptight people? Do they tend to be conservative? Do they tend to be liberal? And learning how to use that information to speak to them effectively. You know, it's one of those things I learned in public speaking years ago. You really need to know your audience so that you can speak directly to them much more effectively. You're going to speak differently to a a 40-year-old married man than you would to a junior high boy. Of course, there's similarities, uh, especially our wives might say we married men are still like junior high boys, but you get my point. You're going to speak differently. So I would love to hear your take on this whole conversation with Tommy. And the best place for you to connect with me would be to join the Podcastification Facebook group. Now, it's not called the Podcastification Facebook group. It's called Podcasting Best Practices from PodcastFastTrack.com. We're going to be chatting about all the things that go into a great podcast. But I would love to hear your take on this particular episode. You can ask to join the group by going to podcastfasttrack.com slash Facebook group. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.